welcome to the Hellraiser podcast. Hi there, welcome to episode 24 of the Hellraiser podcast. I'm Peter and this is Phil. Hello. Hello. And we're doing a very special on-location podcast today because we're just about to go and see the Cabal Cut of Nightbreed at the Film for Fright Fest. We're seeing it in Leicester Square at the Empire Cinema. And I'm, to be honest, quite excited about this. How about you? Uh, yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah. I hope it's going to live up to expectations. This has been a huge part of fandom's community for the last couple of years, mm. hasn't it? Mm. We've been talking about it for ages. I never thought it would be seen in cinemas. No, it's weird that we're going to go to a, a cinema in Leicester Square. And we're in screen um, one of the Empire Leicester um, Square, and that's huge. Yeah. I've been there before. It's a massive screen. Yeah. So, I'm very excited. Yeah. Um, what do you know about this Cabal Cut, then? Um, I know that the quality is not going to be very good. Really? They're not. That's what I've heard. Well, it's from a video. It's from like a video work print. Right. Okay. Uh, And but I don't know what what's in it. I don't know what bits are in it. No. No. So I know it's going to jump. Quality wise, some stop motion footage of uh, a leopard lady on a big beast Mm. walking through Midian. I'm quite hoping that's in it. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, I just want everything. I want every bit of footage everything. they've got. We want it all. I just want it all. And just hoping that it all makes a bit more sense. It'd be fun to see a longer version of it. Yeah, I hope it sort of sorts out some of the things we had, the issues we had Yeah, about it originally. And there'll be some of the stars there as well. We're hoping to get a little interview with those people afterwards as well. Mm. So that'll be fun. Yeah. And we'll see you later. We're going to go in now, so wish us luck. <laughs> and we'll see you afterwards. Right. right. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> So here we are, we're in the screen now, waiting for it to begin. Yeah. I'm getting excited, Phil. I'm very excited. What are you looking forward to most, do you think? Um, the new stuff. The new stuff. <laughs> Me too. I'm looking forward to hearing Lylesburg talk with Doug Bradley's voice. Oh, it's all very exciting. It's overwhelming at the moment. <clears throat> it is a bit, yeah. Oh, it's going dark. It's going dark. Oh. Either that or we're dying. <laughs> right, we better get back. We'll speak to you later on. Ooh. Goodbye. Bye. Okay, this is Nightbreed and Cabal Cut. Welcome Russell, Charrington and Mark Miller onto the stage. Please tell us about this project. Okay, so you, a lot of you guys will have seen Nightbreed once upon a time. Is that true? Yeah? yeah. Great. How many of you people have read the book Cabal? This is not my reading, it's Cabal. So you're going to watch uh, Clive Barker's original script. He wrote the script and he actually filmed Cabal. And he did not make Nightbreed as you've seen it before. But the studio made him shoot three weeks of enhancements. And for 20 years, we thought this story was lost. And then this gentleman found it. And there's a, there's a little story. He found two VHS tapes. Well, it's interesting because uh, I sent Clive a text message, of all things, and I said, when I found out that there had been uh, a lot of missing footage, I said, hey, what if I, uh, what if I went and, and, you know, poked my nose around and uh, went looking for it? And he said, oh my god, by all means, you know, please. And we uh, had a meeting and he told me where the trails in the sand ended, and I just proceeded cold calling uh, studios and editors and... And I'm sure that's not typically how it's done, but you know, we're here, so it worked. Uh, and uh, I ended up talking with Mark Goldblatt, who was the editor that they rehired to, uh, to do the extensive uh, 
reshoots. And he told me that somewhere a VHS print had to exist of his uh, original cut. And lo and behold, we found it, but not where we thought we would. We were doing some spring cleaning in Flav's office, and it was uh, actually on a shelf behind us. <laughs> so, you know, not quite the epic tale, but still. States and the tape was PAL, so uh, I could not. I had it sent out here, and uh, the lovely folks that run Clive's website, Phil and Sarah Stokes, I don't know if they're here tonight. Uh, we hope that they are. But uh, they they digitized it for us and got back to us immediately and said, you know, my God, there's footage here, and uh, that's where this gentleman comes in. It was actually screened at a horror convention in a really, really rough form. A word print form. I asked Mark if we could take it home and watch it. Really rough. Really rough. Yeah, with no sound and, and images and, and leader reels, etc. And I basically took it away with a guy that's here called Jimmy Johnson. I spent six months and I started again. I basically cut Nightbreed up and I cut uh, both word prints up into little pieces, just like you make a film. And I started again with the script and I reconstructed it from the two word prints and basically made the film as it appeared in Clive's first two graphs of the script. And basically, you know, in the first instance I made it so me and Mark could watch it. And the coolest thing in the world was us watching it. And then a year later, there's 1,300 people in London going to watch it, which is amazing. The one thing that I have to make you realise when we watch this today is that uh, we're still on a journey with this film. We, right now we've got two producers, we're working with Morgan Creek on a Blu-ray and a DVD of both versions of the film. But what you're about to see comes from two work prints and the original release. So two 20-year-old VHS work prints, keep in mind. Yeah. So, so occasionally on the screen it's going to move into what I call porno quality. <laughs> so so it, it's going to look a little bit rough around the edges, but I know that you're the most wonderful audience and you know intelligent and smart enough to know that the story is the most important thing that you can see today. And you're on a journey with us now to its full restoration to us getting the original source material back from Roman Creek and 20th Century Fox. And, you know, we're going to take it forward. The worst case scenario for us is we're going to go to the BFI, we're going to bake the tapes like we did with the Alien 3 work print, and we're going to continue on this journey. This film evolves all the time. Your feedback makes it evolve. You know, this is version five that we've completed. Yeah, version one was uh, close to three hours long. But that was incorporating a lot of the uh, reshot footage, so, you know, some characters died twice. We decided that probably wouldn't work. Yeah, so Decker cannot die twice, uh, and, you know, various other characters can't die twice. So the, the coolest thing about today for me, Mark, and lots of the cast are here. So Hugh Ross is here, he played Narcisse. Uh, Simon Banford's here. 
and Nick Vince, who played Kids Kids here, they're all going to come down to the stage after the movie. You can ask questions about making the film, and you can talk to me and Mark and open a dialogue up between all of us about you know, what you think of you know, Nightbreed as the Cabal Cup. And ultimately, you can help us because you, know, you can tell Morgan Creek you'd buy this movie on Blu-ray and DVD, and that makes their eyes go ping. There's an audience because they, they told they laughed at Mark when he called them and said Nightbreed, and they just popped up. Nobody's interested in Nightbreed, but we proved them wrong today. So that's wonderful. So enjoy the film, and we'll see you afterwards. We brought posters for you guys and all kinds of treasures, and you can grab them and all the cast and crew that are here will sign them afterwards. Thank, right, thank you very much, gentlemen. Enjoy. Bring in most of these guys and then redub sequence. 
we want to make a 90-minute documentary, which is a story of library, MIDI, and from library right through to the screenings. Uh, we want to put the original library back out in 1080p, and we want to put the fully restored Balcott out where we would, we would use the highest quality of the material we could to alleviate what I said earlier, the poor quality of the couple of sequences. So that's what we want to do. And we're aiming somewhere within next year. It's not very exciting since our Los Angeles screen. I think Mark can add a little bit to that. Uh, yeah, well, the, uh, there was a Fangoria-sponsored event, and the response was so huge. Pretty much the very next day, we got a call from Morgan Creek saying, you know, we, uh, we, may, we like what you've done with the film, and uh, we're willing to, uh, to work with you. So they gave us carte blanche to uh, screen it uh, wherever we wanted and uh, to raise the funds to uh, create uh, the, the restoration and the money that would be necessary for and really, I mean, ever since then, they've been, it's been phenomenal. So really, we're, uh, it's just a matter of lining our ducks in a row, getting the money that's needed, and uh, playing these out for the rest of the year to uh, audiences like this, and the DVD will be available shortly. I can't wait. Yeah. And my, no, just one last thing to everybody in the room and yourself, is that basically, the more you can go and use social media and say, how can I buy Nightbreed and the Cavalco, quicker it will get released because they see dollar signs and then the film studios are about dollar signs they're not about art and movies so that's what they want to hear so thanks for the question if you've heard of occupy midian that's uh that's the facebook page and uh, the twitter feed and that is where uh, we commune and uh, you know post where the uh, the next screening will be and, and petitions you can sign and all things like that so occupy midian coined by ann bobby all right next question Hi, this question's for Nick and Simon. After going through extreme makeup on the first two Hellraiser films, how did it feel to be going through live makeup in these films, especially Simon? Um, actually, the, the geniuses that created those makeups from Image Animation and Roy and Jeff are sitting up there, and I said to them earlier, it's really because of them that, that we're here, because it was them that, with Clive that created such kind of iconic. Um, creatures in, in Hellraiser and makeups. Um, in answer to your question, oh, it was a joy. <laughs> it was, uh, you've heard of locked in syndrome, well, that's what it was like working on Hellraiser and Hellbound because I, we couldn't see, we couldn't breathe very well, we couldn't hear, our noses were sealed up. Um, and so for 14 hours a day, we'd sit with our own thoughts, which uh, could get quite dark. I actually broke down one day uh, in the makeup and uh, Nobody noticed. <laughs> that was a waste of good suffering, wasn't it? So, uh, <laughs> I bought some Jack Daniels and that made Yeah. Because I remember Simon didn't actually have prosthetic makeup in, in the Nightbreed movie. I had prosthetic nipples, it's the only prosthetics I had. Yeah, and I remember Bob Keane and his father to get nipples on for you most of the time. I didn't need them, but Clive said, you know, prosthetic nipples that had to be. So. Yeah. <laughs> you do have nipples if you're around. Yeah, uh, yeah, I have various sets of nipples. Yeah, yeah, the wings are fantastic. Uh, yeah, it, 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 exactly the same thing, but basically it's just so nice to be able to see. It's a big different experience because uh, the chatter was just one hour into makeup. Uh, Kinski was five. Right, first of all, I'd just like to say um, myself and many of my friends for almost a quarter of a century have been fantasized about what the film would have looked like when it came out. We cried when it came out. 
we still had the various books, and I'd just like to say thank you for it. It's put it all together where you have. Um, there's a few questions, but I'm just going to try and make it simple. Uh, Rachel, now, her voice is very, very different in this. Could you please shed some light as to what that came from? Were those, were those the first shoots, and then they decided to give her an accent afterwards? Yeah, the voice from everything, I tried to use as much from the first shoot as possible because the idea behind the restoration was to give everybody the original material. So the idea in a sound design of this now is to go back to the original actors rather than go, you know, the dub work that happened in Los Angeles. Because Clive relocated to Los Angeles to finish the film. So the film that you watched in, you know, nearly 22 years ago, in September 1990, was actually mostly the same work we've done now in Los Angeles. So, but Nick was really excited to hear his voice at the end of the movie. Everybody's excited. You know, Doug came and dubbed his voice for nothing. You know, he gave me a day for nothing because he's excited that he gave me his voice in it. And I was excited when I could hear real actors' voices when I started to unearth material with, with my editors here, Jimmy. So, yeah, it was fantastic. So, anything else you want to Well, the other one, just again, about the effects, obviously, when you had the extra footage, probably one of the things was you wanted to show the menagerie more. Did you find through the edits, are there bits which you've got which you haven't shown because it didn't quite work with the narrative, etc.? Well, my, you know, being a bit like everyone in this room, I like monsters. Yeah, and I love the night breed, and I wanted to show you everything I could find, even the hawk, what, what I consider to be hawky, which is the Ray Harry Harrison pastiche. It had to be in there, and I, I never want to take it out. You know, I, I don't care. I just want to see things like that in that movie. So, no, the, the, the things that have come out are mostly like the hillbillies loading guns and, and human aggression, I thought was less important than see the night breed. So unless when we get the original footage from 20th Century Fox, if we find more nightbreed, more monsters, more sequences, they'll certainly go in in the Cabal Cup for sure. But what you, everything that we found is in that movie as far as the nightbreed is. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, I think my question has been answered here, but there's a sequence I've heard about the shooting Stassi and Pelican. Um, yeah, is in the titles. Is that still going to be found? Yeah, the, what you see is in the titles. Just like the animatronic Pelican with mouth opens is just in the titles. And no, I'd love to see it as much as you would. I don't know. Um, we will search for it. We'll look at every reel if, if we get them and we'll search for every sequence and we'll try to find it. If they don't go to the movies, they're going to special features. Anything that's out now will go into special features. But very, we want to make this an Aladdin's cave of wonders from the Nightbreed. So, yeah, so I want to see it too. That's my answer. Hi, yeah. Um, the film still lends itself to uh, a sequel, and as, uh, as I remember, there were some rumours. Um, are we going to get a sequel? I think, well, it, Mark will tell you a little bit more, but I, I found an eight page treatment which I, you know, stole, took home, and read, and I was very excited by. So, the, and Clive basically never plots one book, you know, he writes enough material for ten books. So the, there is all that information Clive talked about writing a short story. I mean, I have an idea, Mark has an idea, and the TV companies are interested in Nightbreed again because of this and other things that are going on. When you get a seven-page article in Empire and you get a screening like this where 1,300 people come, you know, they start to wake up. So Nightbreed's a long way off being dead, but I think, for me personally, I think 
20 years has passed. 20 years has got to have passed. And, you know, I think by this time, Bathurst may have got put back together, isn't it? Don't you think? Yeah, it's time we got put back together. There you go, as I say, if we've got more questions for the guys, they'll be around for a while. Thank you so much to everyone for coming. Mike Reed, welcome. Well, we've just come out of the screening. That was quite something, wasn't it? It was. Blimey. I'm shell-shocked. So am I, actually. It's a completely different film. It is. It's, it's a much better film. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I um, would say. <laughs> I think you'll he- probably hear this, listeners, I'm talking to you now, probably hear this from quite a few people saying, oh, it's much better now, much better this version. But it really, honestly is. Yeah. You've got a lot more character stuff going on. It explores the characters much more. It's all fleshed out. You get everyone's motivation, you know, exactly why people are doing things. And especially the relationship between Boone and Laurie is established. Yeah, it is. It's much stronger, the, the reasons why they're doing it. And you can care for the characters, you know, and I really empathise with Boone this time. Yeah. And before I kind of didn't like him that much because he just seemed like a strange character, but well, now it really works. I didn't understand him before. I yeah. didn't know why he was doing everything, but now I kind of do. Yeah. And um, we're going to talk about the film a little now, so there are going to be some spoiler spoilers. So this is your spoiler warning. If you... Want to avoid all spoilers about the Cabal Cup, then, then you might want to pause this or come back at a later date. But at the moment, I'm not sure when you're going to get to see it because hopefully it will be released on DVD and Blu ray, they're saying, at some point, possibly next year. Yeah. But at the moment, it's just a case of seeing it in a cinema if it's playing near you. Mm-hmm. So there are some spoiler warnings coming up. Well, that, no, that was your that spoiler was warning. But there are some actual spoilers coming up in a moment. Right. Um, so let's just talk about some new stuff that was in it. At the very beginning, there's a lot more about Laurie and Boone, and there's their relationship. There's some scenes with them together before, even yeah. before the first scene with him and Dr. Decker. Yeah, the, you get the sense that he's really in love with her and that he's, you know, recovering from mental illness. Yeah. But he's okay now. And, um, and when Decker comes in, it's, you get this moment of going, whoa. Something bad is coming back into yeah, his life. Again. Because yeah, exactly. He's like, oh, do I have to, do I have to come and see you? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, because the film basically opens with a couple in love. Yeah, and yeah. that's how it should be. Yeah, and then Decker starts being all creepy, and you're like, "Whoa, dear!" Um. <laughs> and it's, and also, let's talk about Decker. There's some. There's a lot more of Decker in it, and David Cronenberg is amazing. And I thought he was good before, but he's always very. He's very understated and he's very subtle and playing everything quite low there's a couple of moments of new moments in this where he's doing some really quite intense acting yeah it's really good you and you get a lot more about what his motivations are you know his his illness mm. you know what you know because you have this stuff of him talking to his mask yeah which is from the book from cabal the yeah. book so the mask is making him commit the murders those bits were my favorite bits of his yeah and you and you really get you know this the whole thing about him uh, wanting to be death yeah. When Boone's sort of saying, you know, death's not the end and all this. You know, in this film it just works a lot more. You really understand that there's something seriously wrong with this guy and, and you get more hints as to what it is. Yeah, definitely. Oh, it was good. Really good. Really very impressed with David Cronenberg's performance. Yeah, excellent. But I'm impressed with everybody in it. And um, yeah. all the characters are much more fleshed out, much more believable and strong. And the whole thing just works so much better. And of course, let's talk about uh, the character of Lylesburg. They've got Doug Bradley, who has redubbed all the Lylesburg dialogue. Mm. And at first of all, I thought this was just a case of, you know, them saying, screw you to the company, and, you know, this is for the fans, and the fans want Doug Bradley. But kind of listening to, to Russell Cherrington talk about it, 
it's almost as if they, there was just a lot more footage of the original footage of him with his normal voice. So it made sense to redub the German stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And he said, you know, the reason that they didn't have him his voice in it originally was because they didn't want to pay for him to fly over to America. Yeah. So that's a bit of a screw you to Doug Bradley. Yeah. So it's good that they put it back this way. I agree. And it was great to hear his voice. And it's wonderful. Yeah. And uh, let's quickly talk about the ending. The ending was quite different. Mm. You've got the character of Narcisse, you know, the guy who cuts his face off, cuts all the skin off round the round his face. Mm. He actually gets uh, he gets killed by yeah. by Doctor Decker. He gets yeah. his head cut off, which is an an amazing change because in the final fight between uh, Decker and Boone, mm. now this time I was actually scared. I was actually like, yeah, if no, he I uses his well. machete to cut his head off, yeah. it's over. Because at the moment, the original version, you're like, Boone is immortal, he can't be killed because yeah. he's been shot by all these bullets. But now it's a case of, shit, if he cuts his head off, yeah. then he's gone. That's it. Yeah, no, so right. that, that yeah. put a completely different spin on that. Yeah, I agree. And there's another... New, sorry, we can say something else about that. No, no, that was it. I was, I was <laughs> going to mention that they'd, they'd removed um, Decker's resurrection oh yeah um, that's gone which that, that, was, that was actually a reshoot I think wasn't it yeah. originally the, the studio said you know we like him bring him back for the sequels yeah yeah and uh, even though they were never going to make any sequels because they completely screwed up the release <laughs> of the film but they uh, yeah so there's the resurrection of Decker the end is gone he actually gets killed killed off in the uh, in the cabal cut and he's gone then forever but there's the character of the priest Ashbury mm. who sort of has this moment at the end of the cabal cut where he's going to be sort of the main villain yeah. for it. And it does still... It's much more interesting. Yeah, and it still leads it open to a sequel, which is, which is great. But yeah. he's going to be... Because he can almost feel Baphomet in him, and he knows... I, he's like, I know where these guys are going to be. I'm going to go and find them. And he burnt me, so I'm going to burn them. Yeah, and it's, it's really like... It's not just like a man who wants to kill them and destroy them. It's like a guy who's a religious nut who's seen another god... And and kind of wants to end it, you know, wants yeah. to end this other god, you know. Yeah. And it's really dark and weird. I, and love, I loved it. I thought scarred that was by him, you know. <laughs> it's amazing. And one other change we're just going to talk about at the end is is Laurie at the very end. She's talking to Boone and she's saying, "I'm going to come with you. We'll we'll rebuild Midian." And he's like, "No, I can't. I can't do this to you. You know, I'm a monster and you're not, and it won't work." And so she stabs herself. Yeah. And he's like, "What are you doing? You're going to die." And she said, "Well, you better do something about that. You better make me a monster." And so he bites her, she wakes up again, and she's now a nightbreed. Yeah, it's much better than the kind of modern-day Twilight version of (laughs) Turn Me Into a Monster. (laughs) It's a really great sort of Romeo and Juliet ending. It is, it is, and it's just very... um, It really, this one, has a lot more weight to everything, and at the end, you feel like you've gone through a really epic, huge journey, and you feel like, wow, what's going to happen next, you know? Yeah. Even if it's just in your head, you can think about these characters recreating a new Midian, you know, somewhere else. Yeah, it's really, it's really great. I really enjoyed the film. Let's just talk briefly, before we finish, about the picture quality. Because as you were, you were worried about before we went in, it was a little poor quality. And as, as Russell said, you know, he, he described it as porn quality. Mm. And it does, when it goes into the new bits, it does have this, you know, very old VHS quality to it. Mm. How did, how did that make you feel? How did you feel about those? Yeah, I was fine with it. I was fine with it. I mean, as you said, you got used to it, and it, yeah. it was never bad enough that you just couldn't see what was going on. And that's what I was worried about. But it's certainly not at the level that I would recommend that anybody, like Joe Public, watch it. That's you have what to I be invested well. in the film. Yeah, it's first. Quick, I mean, we saw it in a packed out, big, big old screen, and everyone there, I think, was a Nightbreed fan. 
So it was brilliant for us to see it. And as yeah, as I said, I hope they were Nightbreed really fans. Otherwise, it'd be really trippy <laughs> if you walk Where into see this what horror the hell film is this? and you're like, God, well, why does it keep changing picture quality? <laughs> this is bizarre. <laughs> but um, yeah, I did get used to it, and I thought it was fine. A couple of moments where the sound wasn't terribly good, and there was a couple of moments where you couldn't quite hear what everyone was saying. Mm. But again, you kind of forgave that a bit because you did know what was going on. Um, but yeah, you're right. For the, the general public to watch this would be a bit taken aback. Yeah, I mean, it needs to be properly restored. I mean, they need to try and find they the film, film footage. And they that would to, be ideal. They need to go through a full digital restoration but, or whatever. Yeah, if they do find the film footage and they recreate what we just saw with the film footage, it's going to be a really, really good film. Yeah, if you've ever watched Nightbreed before and kind of had reservations about it or just sort of quite enjoyed it, um, if you watch this new version, if they do bring it out on DVD and you watch it and it's been restored, I think you'll love it. Yeah, and if they're showing it in a cinema near you, please do go and see it. It's really worth seeing. It is worth seeing. And that's the thing, it's very important because it is sending a message to the studios that you guys are not right when you mess about with something artistically for the sake of money um, it doesn't work out very well and now people are sending a very clear message to them that look we want to see this kind of film we wanted to see it as it was supposed to be originally and we will pay for it yeah so you know Get on, get on it, get on it, get on it. Yeah, yeah. Join Occupy Midian if you haven't already on Facebook or on Twitter, and just let the studio know that we want it released. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be good when it's out on DVD, in it or Blu-ray on Blu-ray, indeed. Well, they were saying that they were going to try and release the original version on Blu-ray anyway. And well, uh, their plans, I think, sound amazing because it sounds like they're going to have this really fantastic package where it's just got all the extras and all the things you might want and documentaries about it and stuff. Yeah. So they've not even awesome. released it on bloody DVD over in the, in the UK yet. Well, exactly, yeah. So they need to do that first. <laughs> yes. Right. So we're going to go back in now. We're going to try and get some interviews with a few people. We're going to try and talk to Hugh Ross, who played Narcisse, the chap who cuts all his skin off. And we're going to have a chat with Simon Bamford, apparently, hopefully, who plays Onaka, and also we know him as Butterball from Hellraiser 1 and 2. And Nicholas Vince is in there as well, who we've spoken to before, and he's going to have a chat with us as well. He plays Kinski. Mm. So we'll have another chat with you after we've spoken to them, and here is what they will hopefully have to say. <laughs> All right, speak to you in a bit. <laughs> so we're here now with Hugh Ross, who plays Narcisse in the film. How, how are you, Hugh? I'm fine, thank you very much. How are you feeling after watching that on the big screen? I was very exciting and I thought it was absolutely fascinating to see how it actually came out. I thought the narrative was far clearer in this cut than it was in the um, release version. Absolutely. Did you know what was going to be in it? What the new stuff was? No, I had absolutely no idea at all. And uh, yeah, yes, it was was extraordinary, really. And wonderfully well explained sequences which. You know, they, they, in the editing, there was no explanation for why things happened before, but it became much, much clearer. Mm. Yep. What was your first reaction when you saw the original film being released back in 1990? Well, I was very excited about it because it was, I mean, it was, um, Clive was an old friend who I knew before anything much happened to, before even Books of Blood were published. And he was uh, terribly kind and supportive and generous, and then he gave me this amazing part. So, I mean, um, I was very, very excited mm. about it. And um, it was great fun to do, and I had a lot of freedom, and, and we were very, yeah, it was, so I was nervous, scared, blah, 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 and had no idea what was going to happen, and Clive, at that point, before we kind of knew how it was going to go, Clive was all, you know, we were going to do, he did the, in the reshoot, I wasn't decapitated, I remained, blah, 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 yeah. and <clears throat> ready for Nightbreed 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. <laughs> 
and uh, that's what happens. I mean, it didn't, didn't yeah. go that way, but it, it's, uh, I really enjoyed it. It was great fun, and it's lovely seeing everybody again. Yeah, yeah. And what was your reaction when you found out about this new resurgence of the film in the last year or so? Well, it's it's, 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 it's really amazing, and one must just be thankful for some of you know go with. I'm amazed. I still don't know why the DVDs never been released in the UK. Yeah, yeah. we don't know. Then I have no idea why that's really crazy. Crazy. It must be some strange. Somebody sitting We've on, seen it on TV. Yes, so I know. Quite a few times. Quite, I know, I know, but never actually available. Well, mm. hopefully now it will be. I hope That's it is. Yes. That'd be nice. So here we have Simon Bamford. Hello. How are you? Nice to see you again. You too. <laughs> so we just watched the Cabal Cut in the cinema. In the I big know. Screen. My first time as well. I was in Philadelphia last weekend, and I thought I'd try to get uh, to see it over there. But we were just so inundated. It, it's extraordinary the interest that has suddenly. Uh, Pause onto this movie, yeah, and anyway, to it. see it, it was better to see it here, to see it in the uh, in Leicester Square yeah. with 1,300 people and on a big screen. That must Superb. be really weird because you saw it originally, obviously, yeah. in Leicester Square. I saw it the. I'd, seen... I'd never seen it until the opening night, and I got very drunk at Tower Records because they were giving playing. They had a party beforehand, where they were playing us with cocktails with lychees painted as eyeballs, <laughs> and I had several of these. I don't know, they were dry martinis or something. And I didn't know the power of a dry martini uh, <laughs> when I was 26. <laughs> Silly me. And uh, so, yeah, I got very drunk and saw it at the uh, Odeon West End in Leicester Square. And I uh, hated it. Was so disappointed that all this work had, had gone wrong somewhere. Mm. Um, and so to see it here, uh, I, I cried. I cried to see it so close to where it needs to be. It's amazing. Uh, ah, lovely, lovely. What did you uh, Cenobites obviously don't cry. Well, of course, I no, wept. They don't. Some, of, some of my wounds wept. <laughs> Blood. What did you think Seeped. when you first heard about this project in the last year or so? Um, I kind of talked about it for the last few years because oh, right. we, get, we get invited to do conventions uh, all over the world and... For the last 15 years, obviously, most of the, most of the interest was in Hellraiser and Hellbound. Mm. And then I always used to take some pictures from Lightbeard, but there was never really very much interest. And then in the last five years, suddenly, more and more people were asking, oh, that's Nightbreed, and were getting interested in asking for pictures from that. And it was that, I think, I went to see Clive after one of the conventions, and I said this to him, and he suddenly got very excited that maybe, you know, yeah. maybe there was going to be an audience for it again. Um, yeah. And I know they've been looking for donkeys, yes, for the footage, so... I uh, can't remember the original question now. <laughs> How did you feel when you first heard about this project going Excited. Yeah, <laughs> See, I could have just done it in one word. <laughs> Let's say one word when 55 will do. <laughs> and what do you think about this talk of a possible sequel? <laughs> From Nightbreed? Yeah. Well, I think the TV series would be an interesting project. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. a sequel for the movie would be... A challenge because we're all twenty years older. Yeah, um, I the mean, characters I very... could be as well, though, couldn't they? Sorry, the characters could be as well. Though. Twenty years, it could be twenty years later. Exactly, you've just solved it, haven't you? You've done <laughs> it. Twenty-year-old pile of dust, wouldn't you? No, well, you see, you say that, but and they always said that in the uh, when we wrapped that though my character was going to come back as her, his twin sister. Oh yeah, I was going to be topless with the most beautiful prosthetic tits, <laughs> uh, and I was really looking forward to playing this. As you would. As yeah, 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 as you would. Yeah, of so I'd have to go to the gym a lot if they were going to do sequel. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have kind of male built beer bellies. To many women. Well, not many women. I mean, you might you might know different. Well. <laughs> Are you surprised at how many people have been turning out to see this film? Yeah. Um, between now and Christmas, every, pretty much every weekend, we are somewhere throughout the world 
with uh, at a screening or a convention that the wow. people are pouring out. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, about six thousand, I think, now supporting us on Occupy Midian, um, but it's increasing all the time. And, and I mean, thirteen hundred today here is. Yeah. yeah. Are you surprised? I'm. Um, we weren't able to start with, but now watching it grow online, it's not surprising now that we're getting the people in the audience because there's so, such a big fan base out there. Uh-huh. But when you, when you hear, oh, they've restored it, you think, okay, that might be cool, uh-huh. I guess. But now I've seen it, I'm like, this is amazing. This is actually brilliant, yeah. you know, amazing. And to see it with, the, with, the, with the, the, the baked video footage or the original footage. Mm, yeah. And I think also maybe with some tweaks out, if I could get Dan, Danny Elfman back to, to, uh, to maybe do some re-music for some of the scenes, that would be awesome. So Depends how much money uh, Morgan Creek want to make from it, really, is how much they want to invest. And that's the I, thing. I feel the more they invest, the more they will make. Well, exactly. The higher, higher the quality of the, the end products. Yeah, absolutely. If they can promote it as, as a brand new mastered version, then surely that's, exactly. that makes the most exactly. sense. Well, yeah. we need to tell them that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you, you are that's doing it. We're telling them right you very now. Much. You, Morgan <laughs> Creek, you're listening. All right. Um, thank you so thank much. Thank you very much. Thank you so Thanks much. Nice to see you. And now here we are with Nicholas Vince. Hello, Nick. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you very much. Good. And how are you feeling after watching that on the big screen in there? It's a bit weird seeing it on the big screen, you know, 20-odd years after we originally saw it, and now actually seeing the movie that we made Mm. before it got taken to the United States and all sorts of extra things kind of just dropped in. Yeah. Um, I I love it. I really, really love it. And it's really interesting to see how it's grown and changed since the last time I saw it. I saw it two, three months ago, actually nearly three months ago now. Um, Russell showed it to me, and it has changed. It's got tighter. Yeah, I I think just because of the fact that you do get more of a story, it's more gripping. I think the whole thing, I think mentioning earlier on, it it flows better. The the whole story, it grips you from the beginning, from that opening sequence of the of the night breed and so on, and then into Laurie and Boone's story and what's going on. You know that real so strong now. It it is. Yeah, Yeah, I I thought it was really interesting because Russell said, you know, the quality of the video is porn, and then when I saw. Craig Schaffer and his nice tighty white is around Bobby. And I think, just what do you mean, Russell? How far are we going with this now? But you really do get that passionate, you know, that this is a passionate, obsessive, I don't know if it's necessarily obsessive, but it's a very, very strong relationship so that it makes sense that she will do anything. It makes far more sense, yeah. Yeah, it really yeah, does. yeah. So, yes, I like it better. Yeah, good, good. It's a very strong good love story now, it really yes. is. Because yes. you, don't, you don't get time to meet the characters in the original version. No, no, no. And I, I think some of yourselves were saying to me that when they've seen, seen the original, there are an awful lot of backstories that you want to know about, mm-hmm. um, which is why the Nightbreed Chronicles, the book that Clive did, is so interesting. I was signing a few of them earlier on. And I was thinking, gosh, these are really pristine. I think you're getting no, no, they've been in storage for all this time. I think because mine at home is really quite tattered now because I referred to it so much when I was writing the Nightbreed comics. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So I think people are really interested. In that. I've signed a copy of Nightbreed today, um, the comic today. People are really interested in the monsters in inverted commas, yeah. those strange, beautiful, marvelous creatures uh, that we've created. So I think there is an awful lot more there to be explored. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So what did, what did you first think when you heard about this project for the last couple of years or so? Uh, it was, well, actually, it's not even the last couple of years. It's only, it's only really this year that, oh, right. that I've really kind of become conscious of it. I kind of heard vague rumours, but it wasn't until Russell invited me up to... <clears throat> it was Doug who put me in touch with Russell, and then uh, 
Russell said, would you like to come up and stay in Derby where he lives? And I said, well, that's fine, because that's on the way to my parents-in-law up in, up in Scotland. So, yeah, I'll take the advantage, you know, love to see what he'd been able to do with this. Uh, and then, then was just, oh, wow, he really has just done such an amazing job on this. Yeah. Such an amazing job. Um, so, yeah. It's really, it's really amazing for us to watch it because I think, you know, when filmmakers say, oh, they, I felt so gutted because they chopped so much out. Yes. Now, yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. If I'd watched the original Nightbreak yeah, and I'd yeah, made it, I'd yeah. be like, wow, guys. Yeah, no. <laughs> so I, I, you I really I, feel that now. Absolutely. I, th- I think Russell was saying that when he showed it to Clive at one stage that he, ha- you know, Clive's reaction was, oh, my God, we have a movie here. You know, it, th- there is something, taking all those disparate pieces and all those disparate sources, we really have a movie that stands along. And it's got some very moving sequences. It's not just Laurie and Boone. There's the whole destruction of Midian, which I, I do find really quite distressing. Um, because it's so relentless. It's, as Simon said, it's kind of a holocaust murder of the innocents uh, type thing and, and I think that's what Clive was really talking about originally yeah, yeah absolutely and because you feel so much more for the characters because you've got to know them mm. every, everything in the last act makes yeah. everything's justified now isn't yeah, it? You know, yeah, everything yeah. makes sense to the viewer rather yeah, than just coming yeah. from nowhere a bit and I think you get more of an idea there is a, a community there um, and you know, there is so much more and you kind of get to explore Midian and Baphomet's relationship and what Midian's about and kind of you get to know more of the lore L-O-R-E mm-hmm. of, of Midian uh, and the fact that these people have lived there for an awful long time um, so they've got their ri- rituals, their laws, their way of behaving, and so on. And of course, Pelequin just says, "Fuck it, fuck the law," which is what makes Pelequin Pelequin. Really, yeah, exactly. Cool. And you, and you were saying that you got to hear, you get to hear your, your own voice. At the end. I got yeah, to hear my exciting. own voice, and I was so chuffed. Com- uh, you know, complete actor ego. Because um, <laughs> it's like, oh, oh yes. Because I mean, that's one of the, that was one of the real things about doing Nightbreed was that I got to speak. Um, and as, as a, you know, in the learning curve of becoming a, a film actor, that was one of the exciting things of doing Nightbreed. And this, you know, of course, it's one line of me that I can hear. I can realise, like, how did I? Yeah, no, actually, I was quite, I was pleased with that. Then he, he unmade Midian. Um, uh, just such a beautiful line written by Clive. You yeah. know, he didn't destroy Midian; he unmade it, uh, which implies that it might be made again. And there's, you know, that whole thing of going on and following those. So I think following those characters on as well is going to be one of the interesting things. If, as Russell says, TVs or a sequel or something could come I think out a TV of it. series would be perfect. It'd be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think you can do so much more. I mean, the the, the thing about it at the moment is that, of course, it. The original, sorry, the thing when we made it was the expense of those makeups. Yeah. You know, was yeah. but I think now they're an awful lot easier to make and so on. But I think rather than using CGI, it would be a shame if they because there's something when it's later, so mm. it's prosthetic. There's something about this isn't this Lord of the Rings or anything and Andy Circus's work, but there is something about just that it brings it. A different uh, yeah. perspective to it. Yeah, I don't think it's possible. I mean, there's been quite a few series where they've had heavily yeah. makeuped characters. Oh, gosh, Doctor episode. Who, Doctor Who, you know, yeah. you know massively, it has these really heavily made-up characters, and it's not CGI. It really is, and it just makes it live more. It's puppetry. It's uh, yeah. it's so much more for the actor to work with. 
Oh, yeah. Well, best of luck with the rest of the screenings of this. Thank you very much indeed. Hope for the future. Let's yes. see the Cabal Cut on DVD and Blu-ray. Yes, sometime next year, we hope, um, by the way things are going. And on a different note, I'm seeing you guys in September. Yes. yes. For the visit to the Hellraiser house. Yeah. To the house, that's right. Which I'm still so excited about as well. <laughs> really looking forward Good. to that. So are we. That'll be a yeah, wonderful day. Yeah, yeah. Really cool. Thanks that's very much, exciting. Nick. We'll see All you right. then. Okay. Cool. So we've come out now, we're just having a little chat with Mark, who you might know as Scarecrow from the website Cenobite.com. He's the webmaster of Cenobite.com, and if you've gone on the forums, you've probably had a little chat with him there. How are you feeling today, Mark? Um, very elated, actually, to have seen the Nightbreed uh, Kabul cut, you know, oh. finally. That's the thing. How long have you been waiting to see this? Since I heard about it, really, you know, in, in those terms, you um, you see the original film. I, I, I like the original film. I thought, you know, when I first saw it, there were so many kind of ideas and creatures yeah. and um, just everything. And it, it, the original version is cut so much, you know, it's cut so rapidly. It's, it's almost like an assault on your senses. Yeah. Um, which I'm not sure whether that's a, a bad thing or not, but it, it makes it very hard to process the first time you see it. So... I, you know, I saw Nightbreed and almost my love for it grew over the time, I think. And when I read the book, I absolutely adored that. And everything that was in the book that wasn't in the film, I, I missed, you know. I was like, why wasn't that in the film? Yeah, and then when I yeah. discovered it, it was meant to be, that was the point that I um, was just desperately hoping they'd find the footage one day. And mm. as you guys said, I do the Hellraiser website, so I was aware that Hellraiser Bloodline has a similar thing. And that... Yeah. And a similar kind of sense of hopelessness. So I, it's, it's a weird thing that I thought, you know, we'll never see footage from that. And we'll definitely never see footage from Nightbreed because that was even more obscure <laughs> in, in terms. But but I think because, you know, Nightbreed is more Clive Barker and it's actually got yeah. quite a strong following rather than being a, a less popular sequel, Nightbreed actually you know, managed to have all these sort of fans emerging from the woodwork as it will from yeah. underground from Midian for, um, for Occupy Midian which has just been brilliant it's amazing to see it all come together really and did you know going in to watch it today did you know sort of what the new stuff was that was being put in or did you know some of it or? I knew some of it I actually also read the um, Nightbreed comic epic mm. uh, comics and Nightbreed comic in the, and, the, and the first four issues of that are a um, adaptation but they're an ad- adaptation of the script before it got sort of altered and stuff. So right. there's an ending with, say, Ashbury, Ashbury, the character of Ashbury, which was in the Kabul cut, which was also in the comic. So obviously it's a comic that's cut down, but it sort of gave an impression. But there were still, you know, surprises. And I think that's the thing. There's so much that you could just not know. And I think the main strength of it comes from the, the changes... Of the, of the pace, the changes of character, just the fact that it has a, a proper three-act structure. It's not mm. like... It's almost like the original version now feels like bullet points to get to certain certain bits here. It, it really develops slowly. And um, it's interesting they've been saying about a Nightbreed TV series almost, because every... Yeah. T- especially in this version, you get to that shot where he's been gunned down and reading it's going up. You can almost see that as the end of the first episode. Mm. It, has, it yeah. almost has a self-contained episodic structure to the film but it works really well well the thing and the, and the film does end with with a beginning of sorts you know we're going to go and find a new we're going to create a new Midian mm. and we're all going to live there yeah. so that's what we need to find out about next yeah okay well um, you know the ending with Iger Man killing Ashby I mean it's the ending 
they negotiated with the um, studios, in my understanding, because in the book, Ashby and Eichmann do go off together. And I, yeah. I, quite, I do quite like that, but it's still a strong ending. What I thought was interesting is much stronger than the one we got, where if you like Decker, I can see why you'd want him to come back. Ashby's sort of a non-entity in the theatrical cut. Um, here, he's really creepy and sinister. You really yeah, get that kind of idea that he's going to go after him. It's really, I don't know, it, it really made me long for a follow-up much more yeah. with Ashbury going after them more than the other one. The other one, I will say, has a more sort of a finality to it, even with the Decker resurrection, because you just kind of think, well, what, what's going to happen? It's just going to be more of the same. It's Decker well, exactly. going after But with Ashbury, it just sort of, you just go, ooh, where's this going? What's, yeah. he, can, he can sense them. He's going to track, you know. It really gets you wanting to know what happens next. It really does. And it's going to be disappointing the next time I actually sit down and watch Nightbreed on the DVD. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> At least I know what's supposed to be in between the gaps now. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I, th- I think it can, in a sense, affect how you watch. Yeah, I had that with Bloodline once I, how is, you know, once I knew yeah. how it was meant to be. I, I can't, all, all I watch now is it looks like I'm watching a random selection of clips. It doesn't, <laughs> you can see how disjointed it is. Mm. I think, in a sense, there's a possibly going to be a bit of that with Nightbreed but I still think in the sense, Nightbreed the cinema cut we did have does kind of work yeah and it's still enjoyable to watch but the, for, the, for me more so than Bloodline at the moment oh no definitely <laughs> that's the thing I think Bloodline is, is a mess anyway but um, Nightbreed is still a, you know it's still got Clive's vision and passion it's still the same story it's just more the, the psychedelic bullet point version of it. So. Yeah. Mm. So here's to an extended director's cut version of Bloodline playing at the Empire <laughs> Cinema in Leicester Square at a later date. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> have to get in touch with the uh, with the directors. <laughs> All of them that were involved. <laughs> All of them. Um, yeah. Alan, Alan Smithy. <laughs> well, that's why you know Nightbreed still had close vision, and there's so many interesting things. I think Rachel was something I know on Occupy mm. Minion. I'd seen some criticism of the lack of accents. Um, and I'm quite interested I'm going to put my academic hat on for a second because um, I've done you know, academic writing on Clive's, Clive's work and stuff and what I found quite interesting is actually the way they dubbed it before with Rachel and, and Lyle's book it's almost like overly othering them yeah. it's like giving them these, all these foreign accents to try and make out you know they're monstrous because they're foreign and, you know that's <laughs> the sort of horror trope the othering of these characters whereas actually I think Though Doug is English, which is I think the, the accents they have now are make them seem a bit more real as characters. Yeah. They they don't they don't seem so deliberately distanced. They're monsters, but I actually think it gets across the message a bit better. Yeah, and also sometimes you can tell when things have been overdubbed mm. and it's not the actual actor saying the line. Mm. Oh definitely. I think Rachel they got away with on the dubbing is, is quite yeah. but having seen the original, unlike other people I've seen criticizing, I actually think it really works. I think it's it, it's quite humanising of, of the character and I think actually um, she seems younger not hugely young but I think the character did seem younger I think mm. they sort of aged her with the voice in the other version mm. well we, we thoroughly enjoyed it and we're looking forward to hopefully seeing it on DVD or Blu-ray soon yeah That's the plan. so thanks for talking to us and we'll speak to you again soon hopefully uh, hopefully thank you very thank much you. So it's a pleasure so there we are mm. that was a nice, nice for them to all talk to us Lovely of them all. They're all lovely. (laughs) They are, yeah. And they did, yeah. And the guys that put this together have done really, really well. And we were very impressed with the film. 
yeah, it was brilliant. Brilliant to hear them all speaking about it, and brilliant to see it. And, uh, and they're all yeah. so enthusiastic as well about it. It's great. Yeah, it's, it's just fantastic because they're all, you know, not getting anything out of it, are they? Other than just no. trying to restore something to the way it should be. They're having a good time, though. So that's good. Yeah, they're having a good time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, great. I think that's about it for for this episode of the Hellraiser podcast. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time for episode 25, the 25th anniversary of the first film. So it's going to be released on September the 11th, which is when the first film was released. 11th of September 1987, exactly 25 years ago, nearly. But that's when our next podcast will be out. little something special for you, which we won't say now. You'll have to find out then. Mm. So we will see you all on the 11th of September. Until then, thank you very much for listening, and thank you, Phil. And thank you, Peter. And thank you, Occupy Midian and Russell Cherrington and Mark Miller for creating the Cabal Cup. We're very impressed with it, and it's very good, and you should all go and see it. Everybody involved, well done. Yeah. So thank you all very much, and we'll see you soon. Goodbye. Toodaloo.